0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy keep the unicorns alive show up every day with coca-cola energy energy you want taste you love this is no ordinary sub shop this is firehouse subs welcome to firehouse tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor
1: Each week, when you join me, podcast, we are going to chase down our goals, overcome adversity, and set you up for a better tomorrow. That's no yeah. Come on this journey with me. Hi, and welcome back to Creating Confidence. I'm so excited that you're here. This week is a holiday week, and it, I'm not sure how you feel about holidays. I know there's. Definitely mixed reviews. If you are my son, you are the most excited person in the world because there's no school, no getting up early, no homework, and getting to play with your friends. So he's super <laughs> excited about that. But I think it's somewhat different as we become adults and go into the holidays. There there sometimes feels like these very high expectations for these finite windows of time that – Things should be so fantastic, and everyone's so connected, and everything so beautiful, and everyone's so grateful. And I definitely don't concur with that. You know, I, I feel like sometimes it can feel like a lot of pressure. There's issues around who you're spending it, the holiday with. If you're being judged for that, because people feel you should spend it with other people. If you know you're in a relationship if you're in a bad relationship, you know, if you like your in-laws, if you don't like your in-laws, there's all of this expectation, judgment, and pressure in some ways that can be very difficult. And I guess as an adult now, I definitely see the holidays so differently. Of course, there is definitely something magical about the holidays and with Thanksgiving celebrating gratitude and everything that we can be so grateful for is truly a beautiful thing. But there can be that darker side. And and I wanted to jump into that a little bit today. And, and that's exactly why I am airing my interview today with Ali Webb, because not only is she a phenomenal intra- entrepreneur, I mean, this woman's built over a $100 million empire and She's launched a brand new company, but she's also recently divorced and she's thriving, but she wasn't thriving through it all. And today she really opens up into her personal life, how she became so successful and how she lived through this really heartbreaking last year to two years and how she's rebounded. And it just really hit me with... The holidays that no matter who you are, you can have all the money in the world and be so incredibly successful in your business and so happy living a passion driven, purpose driven life and be your own boss like Ali and then find a time where things aren't good personally and you have that realization and, and struggling with that and what that struggle is like, especially around The holidays, I feel like there's this bright spotlight on everyone in regards to who you're with and who you're spending your time with. And every Hallmark movie that you see is some beautiful relationship and couple so happily married and this idea of family that looks so perfect However, I, I definitely, I don't have a perfect family and I don't really know many people that do. So, you know, kind of stepping into what's real versus what's on the Hallmark channel this time of year can be helpful so that we lower expectations on ourselves. And also, you know, looking at the holiday and looking at Thanksgiving and what are the roles that we're expected to play versus really just showing up as ourselves and being ourselves. You know, what are the lanes that we were put in as children and and with people that have known us for such a long time? You know, we might not be spending as much time with these people day in and day out. So it's different the lens through which they see us during this time of year because you tend to spend time with people that you aren't spending time with regularly anymore. And I just think it's sort of an interesting, it's an interesting time and I want people to know that for sure I feel pressure. I feel like I'm letting people down that I'm not with. I feel that, you know, some people get frustrated with me because I didn't choose to spend time with them. But I've also learned the older that I've grown that, you know, sometimes you need to do what works for you in that moment. And feeling bad about your choices isn't going to ensure you have a great holiday. No, it's quite the opposite feeling good about who you are and good about listening to your inner voice and making the choices that work for you in that moment is okay. And you don't need to apologize for that. For a long time, I would apologize for not flying across the country to see my family. And, you know, I'm at a point in my life now that I see other people make decisions for themselves that work for them. They don't need to apologize to me about that. And I don't need to apologize to them either. You know, the travel situation is a major issue when you don't have family that's close by and you know, who's where does the onus fall? Who's supposed to travel where who's supposed to at the end of the day, just do what you want to do. And there are going to be different times where things are really stressful, maybe for you at work or, you know, in different situations with your health and travel isn't something that you're up for and that's okay. You've got to make those decisions for yourself. And I just feel that, The holidays really shine that light on, are you doing things right? Are you truly happy? How is your relationship? You know, all of these kind of unrealistic expectations, I guess. And and there are plenty of people out there that might be in great relationships right now and I'm super happy for them. But I also know that things are temporary and, you know, whether you're thriving in your personal life right now and your business is not going so well, that's temporary. It won't stay like that forever. You know, so it's kind of riding that wave of life and knowing that there will be peaks and valleys and things will change and, you know, it's really up to us to accept ourselves for who we are and to be grateful for what we have in this moment for whatever it is. And that's why I'm really excited for you to hear Ali's story, because she's reached such, you know, the highest one percent in the world level of success as an entrepreneur. Um, now as a Shark Tank guest, she's just incredibly successful in business. However, she's gone through a really tough time personally, and she she chooses to open up about that. And I think it's really important for everyone, regardless if you're married, divorced, single, or you know, no matter what your situation is, going into this holiday week, to hear how on the outside, you know, you can be on the cover of Inc. magazine, like Ali Webb, and Fortune and Forbes, and you know, be touted as the top entrepreneur, but. When you're struggling personally, whether people know it or not, life can be really hard and dark. And if you're going through a tough time personally during the holidays, know I'm right there with you. And it's time to lower the expectations and be grateful for what we do have. Embrace those people that love us, that we love. And to focus on that good because what we focus on is what we are going to attract more of. So if we choose to focus on what we're lacking, what we're missing, what we wish we had, we're going to get more of that lack and unhappiness. And, you know, gratitude is so where it's at. So stepping into your gratitude, sharing your gratitude with your friends, with your family, with your children, it's, it's a really powerful tool to use, especially at the holidays when there is this pressure, but there's always something to be grateful for. I'm constantly so grateful for my son. It's mind-blowing. I'm so grateful for every single one of you, for all the DMs I get. I mean, I'm literally brought to tears, if not daily, at least on a weekly basis, by the amazing DMs I get from you and notes, and it's just it's so incredibly powerful. However, I do want to share this. Conversely, you know, I, I received some really negative feedback today, and it actually made me laugh. And I'm sharing it because I don't want you to think that, you know, yes, my work's going fantastic, and I'm so happy I found this line of work and, and this calling. However, it's not all roses every day. Gary V just put a video up of him and I on YouTube And I'll tell you, I was reading through the comments, which I I like to read through the comments. I know there's going to be hater comments. I mean, you can't reach an audience of however many million people and not have some negative feedback. I'm very unique and I'm different. So I know I'm going to get great positive feedback and I'm going to get really negative feedback. And I've become accustomed to that. So that's okay. And I see it as a positive that I'm shining my light and and I'm not for everybody. And that's fantastic. But one of the comments... In our conversation, I had shared a story with Gary of how broken the business model is in retail and some retail stores, you know, old school big box retailers. And I was talking about Saks Fifth Avenue and how. You know, they everyone's buying things online and I had gone in the store to return something. And anyways, it was a really broken model where the salesperson was chasing me out of the store, asking me to try when I, next time I purchase online, to try entering his code so that he could get paid. It, it, it was very awkward. The guy didn't have training. You know, there was clearly no direction from the, from SACS to instruct people how to manage to get people to use your code. You know, how could we incentivize clients to do that? How could we make it helpful for them? Why would it add value to them? You know, you could tell none of these discussions had occurred from a business standpoint. And I had just mentioned it in context with Gary about how business models need to innovate and disrupt and how so many are not. And now they're paying the price. It was really, I, it was not a huge part of the conversation. Anyway, someone happened to latch onto that comment, called me the B word, and said that I've clearly never worked for anything in my life. And that I don't know what it's like to be a salesperson trying to hustle, which that's hilarious because all I've ever done is work for everything in my life. And I've been a salesperson my entire life. So it was kind of funny. And um, anyway, I'm just letting you know that while there is so much good in my work and positive comments I get, yes, I get some really nasty ones too, attacking ones, people swearing at me. So here's the thing. We're not going to make everybody happy. And as you walk into Thanksgiving week, I want you to know you are not alone, but just show up as you, lower the expectations, know that I'm sure we're going to get some negative feedback, but at the end of the day, our job is to set boundaries, You know, be grateful for the opportunities that we do have, be grateful for what we are standing in and who we're with, and to focus on the things that we want more of, because when we make that choice, life will inevitably get better. And I'll tell you, I'm so excited for you to hear this interview with Allie because, if like I said, if you are alone, if you're in a relationship that's not going great right now, or if you're really feeling a lot of pressure going into this holiday week for what other people might expect of you, I think you're going to feel so much better after hearing from someone so incredibly successful how hard the road has been for her lately and how she's managed to turn it around and how she believes anyone can because she's seen it firsthand which you know again it just reminds us you are not alone so that was really important to me this week with uh, thanksgiving here so i hope everyone's going to have a fantastic thanksgiving and one of the things that i wanted to share with you If you're not feeling great physically, as you know, I've stepped into a completely new solution for me when I'm sore, when I'm not feeling great after workouts, and I've got to share it with you, it's Theragun. It's an easy-to-use handheld device, helps to relieve tension and increase blood flow. Theragun percussive therapy is unlike any massage device you've ever tried. Designed by a chiropractor, it's a therapeutic tool for all body types. It's really unbelievable. Whether you're an athlete, mom, or business professional, or a person who experiences pain, each Theragun provides a natural approach to improving your physical health and wellness. After using the Theragun, I feel like my whole body is relaxed and I'm feeling so much better. Even after my tough workouts, muscle soreness after working out usually makes it difficult to move throughout the day But after I use Theragun, it really changes how I feel. I feel so much better, so much more relaxed. Some of the general benefits that you'll get, relief from muscle tension, soreness, stiffness, increased blood flow, improved range of motion, accelerate recovery, improve muscle coordination. I mean, so many amazing things. It's body energizing. And I'm going to give you a promo code for you to check it out. The promo code is CONFIDENCE10. And you get two free attachments with Purchase, So you've got to check out Theragun. I'm telling you, you will be so glad you did. This handheld device makes such a difference. Confidence 10 is the promo code for you to use to get two free attachments with purchase. Hang tight. I'll be right back.
0: This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver deliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a 4 dollars choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just 4 dollars only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax, limited time offer, prices may vary for delivery.
1: Welcome back! I'm so excited to introduce you to Allie Webb. She's an entrepreneur, New York Times best-selling author. I'm blown away by that. Founder of Drybar and co-founder of the New Squeeze. She's been named the 100 most creative people in business by Fast Company. Featured on Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40 list, Marie Claire's Most Fascinating Women. That's really impressive. <laughs> um, the 100 Women Building America's Most Innovation and Ambitious Businesses. Webb is currently the host of. Raising the Bar, a podcast she launched with her brother and business partner. The weekly show provides a platform for budding entrepreneurs. In 2018, Webb appeared on season 10 of ABC's Emmy-nominated hit show Shark Tank as a guest shark. Recently, Webb opened the doors to her next business, Squeeze, an innovative massage concept that lets you book and pay online, the latest extension of her expanding empire. She currently resides in Los Angeles with her two boys. Welcome to the show! Thank you so much. I'm so excited for you to be here, so Allie. For people that don't know you, if they've been living under a rock for the last decade, can you give us a little background into the beginnings
2: of your entrepreneurial journey? Well, man, I mean, I my I grew up in an entrepreneurial environment. My parents had their own business, is you know, as, as early as I can remember. So I think it was just kind of embedded in me. That entrepreneurial spirit from the time I was a little girl. You know, I, I grew up like sweeping the floors and at my parents' clothing stores. That's what they had uh, in South Florida. So, and, and you know, my, both my parents were entrepreneurs. So I, I just always, I think I always just, well, I always treated every job I ever had before I started my own businesses as. Like it was my own. Like I own like I was the owner of whatever job I was working at, which always kind of annoyed my coworkers because I was very <laughs> yeah. ambitious. But I think it was probably you know, such a gift and a blessing from my parents because, you know, I I our best employees and the people that get hired and the people that stand out to us are the ones that treat it like it's their own and that's to you know, in my humble opinion, should be how everybody approaches any job ever, no matter what it is. and And so, for me, that's that's really how it all started. I was just, you know, grew up in that environment, have it in my blood, and you know, can't imagine not being an entrepreneur, really. That's
1: so funny to me having come up through Corporate America, the antithesis. Yeah. So it's so interesting to me to meet people that had this desire and confidence and passion from the beginning to bet on yourself. I'm just, I'm very
2: impressed by that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think when, you know, when when it's all you know... It's all you know. It's all you do. I mean, and, and interestingly enough, are you know the, a lot of people around me who didn't grow up in that environment just don't have that same mentality. Some do, some don't. You know, but it is it is kind of just a way of life for me. So yeah. where did dry bar come from? Well, I have naturally curly hair, um, and he, what, growing up in South Florida, my hair was like ridiculously crazy and frizzy, and I just was so. Obsessed with trying to get it straight, and I hated it curly. I didn't, I couldn't really articulate it. I don't think back then, but I didn't put feel really put together. And when my hair was blown straight, whether I would like convince my mom, who was not a hair to do it, or you know, once I started working as a receptionist in the local hair salon, and they would blow out my hair, I was like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever, and I I, I, I loved the transformation that happened and how I felt when my hair was blown out. And you know, this is when I was really young, and um, and so. You know, fast forward to like after high school and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life and all my friends were – you know, had their majors and knew what they wanted to do and were going to college and I was like, oh shit, I don't know what I want to do. And, you know, at that point I thought I wanted to work in fashion so I moved to New York City and worked in fashion for a little while and then my my brother, Michael Landau, who's my current business partner in Dry Bar and Squeeze – uh, him and I were both working for Nicole Miller, who was a big designer 20 years ago in New York, and then we moved to back to South Florida, opened up a couple of Nicole Miller boutiques together – and here I was, like, having this career running two retail operations between Miami and Boca Raton, and I was not happy, and it was not what I wanted to do. And so I and and my brother and I were fighting like cats and dogs. And it was just a mess. And that was I was must have been all of twenty one then, and I was like, "This is not it. This is not what I'm going to do the rest of my life." And and I decided at that point to go to beauty school, which you know, against my parents, like better judgment and, you know, my brother really was the only one who thought like, this is a good idea for you. Like, you love hair and I've, you know, been, you know, I spent hundreds of hours in my bathroom as a kid trying to figure out how to get my own hair straight, which I couldn't figure out until I went to beauty school and started working in the industry. And he, you know, he was like, this is, you're great with people. Like, you love hair. It's perfect, you know? And I was like, Yeah. It's perfect. And so I went to beauty school, fell in love with it instantly. The second I walked in the door, I was like, these are my people. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I loved beauty school. And while I was at beauty school, I worked at a, at a hair salon of a friend of mine's dad owned, John Peters, who really taught me everything I knew I know about hair. And he was the owner of the salon and I was his assistant. So not only did I learn hair from him and he was an amazing, talented stylist, but I also learned the business side of it, which I didn't mean to learn. I just, I just was always around him. So I was hearing everything that was going on with the business constantly. So that was an education that I didn't know I was getting, similar to the education I didn't know I was getting from working at my parents place as a kid. So, you know, all of these things have really made me who I am. And I moved to New York City. I I worked in hair salons there. And I actually like a, you know, true, you know, 20-something. I also then decided to stop working in hair and ended up in PR for a little while, I was jumping around and I was kind of following, you know, where like the wind took me kind of. And I've always just had that kind of free spirited way about me. And I met my now ex-husband when I lived in New York City. We moved from uh, New York to L.A. I had two kids and thought I was going to be a stay-at-home mom forever until (laughs) I... I was like, what? what? Did
1: Where did that just come
2: from? Well, because I should back <laughs> up because I, I you know, I had was like working on my career and doing hair and doing all these things but I really had this desire to have kids. I mean, like really since I can remember. And so you know when i met cam and we moved you know from new york to la i was like okay let's like start a family and so we 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 had two boys and i loved being a stay at home mom and i thought that was going to be it for me like wow. i was going to stay home with my kids and i felt so lucky that i didn't have to work anymore because i'd been working since i was 16 and now i was like you know 30 and and i felt like cool like i'm just going to like kick it with my kids and this is going to be the greatest life ever and I felt so incredibly lucky and you know and Cam had it was an a creative at a creative director at an advertising agency he had a great job you know it was like life was great and I loved doing that and then I had my second I had my first son when I was 30 and then I had my second son a couple of years later and I you know was a stay-at-home mom and I was like you know living my life at parks and with my friends and mommy groups and all of that and and all of a sudden kind of out of nowhere it hit me like this is not Enough, And I needed to do something for myself again. And I needed to like use my brain. And I – that ambition and everything that I had kind of came bubbling up to the surface. And I was like, well, shit, what am I going to do now? And, and so, you know, actually my, my best friend and I started like this little pla- party planning business because she was really good at that. And then I realized this is not – this is not going to do it for me. And and because I had had all these years in doing hair – and i loved styling hair as you can imagine based on you know trying to figure out blowouts in my whole life and when i would do a haircut in a salon i loved getting to the blowout because that's when it really came to life when you saw the client get really excited and happy and so i was like why don't i just you know as a as a way to like be able to still be with my kids and, and, and do something for myself. I decided to start a little mobile blow dry business where I basically was like running around LA blow drying all my mommy friends when their babies were sleeping. I posted something on like a local mommy group that, you know, moms would come to you to like, where's the best stroller? Like, you know, what do you do if your kid has this? And, you know, and I, so I put something on there. It was like five, it hit like 5,000 moms in LA. Um, it was a Yahoo group, which, yeah, you know, it was not a thing anymore, but, 10 years ago or 12 years ago it was. And so I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a local, like, stay-at-home mom, and I'm thinking of starting a mobile blow dry business where I charge, like, I don't know, 35 or $40 to come to your house for a blot. I know. It wasn't really about <laughs> making money, obviously. It was more about, like, getting out of the house, getting away from the kids for a couple hours and doing something for myself sure. that was very gratifying and satisfying. And so – Cameron, my ex, made me um, a little website. I named the business Straight at Home, and I and I was off, and I started posting it kind of all over town, and and I started getting calls left and right, and it was really. My first marketing lesson because Cam said to me, "If you make the website cute, people will call you." And he was right. And the website was super, super cute, very simple, very clean, and people started calling me. And I got flooded. I was so busy, so fast, and I loved it because I was getting out of the house. I was talking to adults. I was making a, a little bit sure. of extra cash, which I'm sure I didn't actually make any money between gas and you know running around LA. But it was it was exactly what I needed at the time, and it gave me a little bit of freedom, and it get, got me out of the house, and so it was perfect. But what i couldn't have known at that time was that uh, you know uh, what i realized was when i wasn't able to go to my clients which was starting to happen more and more because i was only one person i'd say to them like what do you do when i can't come to your house and they're like well you know I either begrudgingly go to like either, you know, the Fantastic Sam's, like a local chain and get a blowout and it's like there's I'm sitting next to a kid getting a haircut. It's like the lighting is bad. There's, you know, there's variable pricing. It just kind of sucks. Or I go to a full service salon where I'm, you know, overpaying like up close to a hundred bucks for a blowout, which that is not so sustainable. So I was like, Huh there's, there's something missing here, you know? And that's when I started talking to my brother and and Cam about, you know, turning my mobile business into a brick and mortar. And it was also in 2010. So it was in the middle of a recession and everyone thought I was crazy. Like, how, how do you sustain this business? And I wanted it to be really inexpensive because I wanted it to be the kind of thing that women would do frequently, not just for a special occasion. And, and, and really nothing like it existed. I mean, did not exist. Now they're Kind of all over the place but it, it wasn't like that back then and it was really risky and anyways my brother you know had saw the success I was having in my mobile business and you know cam had said I I, I always notice he's like, I know you get your nails done once a week and I, I rarely notice that but when you get your hair blown out it's the first thing I notice so he was like I think this is a great idea Michael thought it was a great idea and you know, off we went to start trying to start building this, and my brother had a good friend who was an architect, Josh Heitler, who, you know, had done, worked on some projects that Michael had been working on, and you know, he was like, "My little sister has this idea for a hair salon that just does blowouts. Would you be interested in helping us design this?" And he and he was, and you know, there's so many different. I, I could go on for hours about all the, like the little things that we did in the beginning, but there are you know, there's Josh and Cam and me and Michael that you know we were so we all had such different skill sets and and brought such different things to the table it, but it was this perfect storm it was like we'd captured lightning in a bottle with all our different like expertise you know in different areas and so we opened the first store in 2010 February 2010 and it was like ridiculous i mean women were like lining up it was so crazy how it just struck a chord instantly with women and they you know we were we were busy and full from like the first day and Yeah, the rest is kind of history. You know, it's so important that you mentioned when you have that
1: moment where you see, and I like that you called it lightning in a bottle. I've had those moments in my Mm. life. So many people will see that experience and feel that. I know that people are understanding
2: this right now, but then for whatever reason, crawl back to what you're doing. Well, it's scary. You know, I mean, you're right. I hear that all the time. And I think that so many entrepreneurs or or want to be entrepreneurs, you know, get this like, there's too much I don't know to do this. Like I have this idea, but I don't know what to do and I don't know this and I don't know that. And I mean, there were way more things I didn't know about this business than I did when we started. And, and you know, the sheer, you know, the amount of phone calls that you have to make and the amount of research you have to do and all the things, there's a million things, truly a million things that, you know, and, and they were all kind of question marks for me. And it's just like, you kind of just keep going and you keep trudging through and figuring it out as you go. And that's, that's. I think you have to have a certain like thick skin to do that, to be okay with that, the unknown and and walking into something that may not work. And I, I mean, that was certainly something that we faced, like there was a very good chance this wasn't gonna work. And but I think for me, it was like, well, if it doesn't work, my brother will lose money we put our life savings into this business which wasn't a lot of money but it was all we had you know because we, we so wholeheartedly believed in it but there was a chance it wouldn't work and there was a chance we were all going to lose our money and that would have sucked but it, it we, nobody would have died and that's kind of how I always thought about it like we will we will go on we will do something else we were figured out we were all really smart capable people You know, it's like I I think I have a very high like threshold for risk and I believe in like no risk, no reward and you have to just put it out there and you know, I don't know where that comes from, but it's it's definitely in me and I think that was really helped inform you know what we did and um and, and I think I thought we weren't thinking on a very big scale. I I really thought it would work on a very small scale. I thought, you know, I had enough women who were loving what I was doing at the price I was doing it at so it, you know, with dry bar, it's like, well, I, I believed at least one store would work. I mean, LA is a really big place with millions of women, like sh- surely one location would work. And at that time, that's really all it was. And I was going to pick up my kids from school and run this shop during the day. And like, it'd be my little livelihood. And that's really like, that was the dream in the, in the very early days. You know, we had no idea how well received it would be and that it would turn into the phenomenon that it has. And how many stores are there now? There's 135.
1: Unbelievable to know mm. that it started with that one and that you thought that was probably yeah, just it. We all there did. was
2: never some big picture plan for this. No, nope, there was not a business plan. I mean, Michael, my brother, he was he had a real estate marketing company at the time. Cam was you know, a creative director at a big advertising agency. He was like let's see what happens you know and 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 then the fact that I I, you know I remember so well calling Mike well it was just so bananas and it was so bananas in the beginning I didn't take a day off for six months I was there seven days a week mostly because I wanted to be and I was afraid to like leave it in the hands of anybody else because it was just so intoxicating what we had done but I remember calling Michael and being like we have got to get a second location like we you know we were kind of like that cool nightclub that nobody could get into which is like not what you want to be in a business and so we you know we opened our second location in Studio City and then West Hollywood and Palisades and then Fashion Island. When I started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from my mind.
1: Now I'm selling my group coaching on the regular and it is just so easy all because I use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Monahan, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Monahan now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash Monahan, no matter what stage you're at, they're going to make it easy. Each, t- each time you did that, was it just as scary again? Is, it, is this thing still going to be lightning sc- in a bottle
2: or no? It was so scary, I would say, up until like like 50-something stores. I be- bet. Because, you know, Michael always like – it was this kind of joke with us that he was like, well, we have to continue to prove the concept because it, it worked in L.A. and then in in a, in some places in L.A. and then it was like our second city outside of L.A. was Dallas, which – Obviously, it works in Dallas, but but it wasn't obvious then, you know. And it was like every new city that we opened up in, it was like, does it work here? Does it work here? Does it work here? And, and it was like – I kept saying to Michael, like, have we proven the concept? Have we proven the concept? Because in my mind, we proved the concept with the first store. I was like, where there are women with hair – Drybar will work. And and for the most part, that's true. I mean, what we have learned is like there's a certain demo and we need a lot of women in a, in, a, in a small area. You know, it's like sometimes when we've talked about opening in like beach cities, it's like half our demo is the ocean. So it doesn't work simply by the fact that there's just not enough women living right. close enough because we do need to do a certain amount of volume every day for the the concept to work. So, you know, we've we learned and we figured all that stuff out. But, yeah, I mean, it was like a pretty – pretty crazy like
1: (laughs) who knew so people look at you and they see you as this phenomenon this entrepreneur ultra successful had this amazing lightning in the bottle idea pursued it and it exploded but life hasn't been perfect for you
2: no no I mean you know I think it was so it's been so uh, intoxicating growing this business over the last 10 years and we you know, have just been on this like rocket ship is what it felt like. And just, you know, thing after thing, store after store, you know, launching a product line. You know, we have a product line in Sephora, Ulta, Nordstrom, um, you know, over 3,000 points of distribution. The product line has been hugely successful. That was like a business within a business. You know, it was just like thing after thing after thing after thing for 10 years. And I would say about, you know, we've raised over $75 million. Like it's just been a really crazy you know, road, and I've learned. I mean, for someone who didn't go to college, I certainly have an MBA in business now I'm because sure. of what I've learned. <laughs> and so it was just like you know, one thing after another kept coming and coming and coming, and it was so exciting and thrilling, and 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 raising two little kids in the same time. So it was like all I could do was you know, the majority of the focus of my life, as you would imagine, was dry bar and my children, and. You know, during that time, we we brought in a professional CEO, John Hefner, who's just been a godsend and really helped get us to the next level within the business. Um, but I certainly lost myself, you know, in that, in those ten years, in, in in some great ways and some not so great ways, you know. And and you know, I think my marriage also got very lost in that time. And um, you know, I've I've been somewhat public about having gone through a divorce last year and well over a year into that now. Um, but yeah, I mean that, you know, when I kind of like took a deep breath and looked around, I was like, "Oh shit. We've got some personal issues to deal with here." And and so I, you know, I, you know, we made the very hard decision to to separate and divorce and and that was that was a uh, you know, not part of the plan and something I didn't see coming and something that really kind of knocked me on my ass to put it. I mean, you know, you've sure, been through divorce. I mean, it's there's it's it's almost like it reminds me of the scenario when when people don't really tell you what to expect when you have a baby and you're like you are so overwhelmed and sleep deprived and you're like what what why didn't anybody tell me this <laughs> I think it's the same thing with going through a divorce you know I know and I'm sure it hits everybody differently but for me it, it you know I was married for 16 years so having oh. having that you know one I I went through I can, I can talk about it all but I went through a lot of different things to try to like Heal myself and to get back on my feet because I was, you know, it was kind of like situational depression that I kind of went through. And you know, I remember some somebody said to me once, you know, your husband held this energy for you that nobody is holding anymore. Wow, yeah, and that's really empowering. Right?
1: Gosh,
2: yeah, yeah, because I hadn't thought of it like that. Because I was like, why am I? I, you know, this was a decision we made. It was a good. It was the right decision at the right time. And why am I? You know, and and of course, you know people tell you it's a death, and it's like mourning a death, and whatever. And I was like, yeah, that didn't resonate with me. But what resonated with me was the energy of like, oh, there's a person that I normally call at the end of every day. There's a person that I just like tell all the stuff to. It's just that person that is there, and when that person that's there is gone and you have to be that person for yourself, it's like, whoa, you know, it's a lot. And, well, and adding the children into, right. there's never, and this is a complexity that
1: in my opinion never goes away, there will never be another person that's gonna care as much as, as your two kids as your husband. Exactly. I don't care if you get remarried or not. It's impossible. Of course, it's you, not your own offspring. It, yeah, It's just different and, yeah. and letting go of that and then dealing with the issues that arise with kids and whatnot as it goes on, that part's, you know, you're always tethered to that person just in a
2: different fashion. Yeah. And and yeah. that dynamic, is, that can be hard. Yeah. I mean, and thank God, you know, we have such a great relationship. We still work together. We, you know, we're business partners in Squeeze, our That's new amazing. business. And, you yeah, know, it, it took a minute. It was rough, pretty rough there in the beginning that, you know, figuring out how to not be married but still be friends and raise these kids and deal with all of that. Like, that was like also... There should be, like, a class about this. Like, what do there you do? There needs
1: <laughs> to be a class. I was at my son's third birthday, and I'll never forget yelling to my ex-husband to go grab something and do this. And he walked over to me. His girlfriend was at the party, and he walked over to me and he said, excuse me, we're no longer married. You, you can't speak to me, me or around rely like that. on me like yeah. this, that, that I'm your right hand. And I wasn't aware. I truly wasn't. I was just doing it out of, like, okay, like, let's do this and this. And you need to be taught this stuff, like, to yeah. even be Huge self-aware that, oh, yeah. my Oh my gosh you can't talk to someone the same way that you had before
2: those days are over i know i find it really interesting and and cam and i work together still and we're on set a lot together and we film a lot of things together and and it's usually like him and his team in charge of it because they're like the creative force and i'm you know I'm the one who's like more or less the talent when we're doing things like that. And, and so I have to take direction from him, which is always a little challenging. Odd. Now. But <laughs> I will say that I think we're both kind of on our best behavior now. But I understand that. And now I understand that because I, you know, I'm just very like ginger about like asking him to do things and, you know, trying to not fall into that like oh old routine of like, can you do this? Can you do this? Because right. it's just good. not like that That's anymore. That's so good you know? that you're aware. I mean, I'm just, I'm very, I'm so hypersensitive sensitive, you know, to it. But, you know, I, I still do ask him to do things. We still have to, you know, we talk about, we have to talk about the kids. I mean, we we text for the most part. I mean, we, conversations That's on the, the phone. best solution. Yeah, or a little, you know, we're definitely more challenging in the beginning. We, we do talk on the phone a little bit more now, but. But that's yeah. putting boundaries in place
1: where there didn't need to
2: be any previously, yeah. and
1: that for me was a learned experience. Learning that you can't just oh, there's a problem. I've, I've got to call his father. Yeah. Instead, no. If the if you if you've got your child and you've got an issue and it's not life or death, you, you don't call it. it. You don't need to alert them. And the next time there is a chat thread or whatever, you you know put it Imagine on there and, it. Yeah. and move on. And those things are just adjustments.
2: Yeah. It's it is a trip, like learning how to adjust from that. And I totally agree. I mean, there. Are, and you're right. Unless it's like I. Y- I really need help with this because something is, like, really dire. You just have to figure it out on your own. And that did take me a minute. I mean, I definitely was, like, you know, texting him about things that were pretty small in the beginning. and, And he was like figure it out. You know, I'm like,
1: "Ah!" but I'll tell you, it's good he did that. I'll never forget my, my ex had um, an ex and she would call for anything and everything. And you never see it so clearly until you're on the other side Side of of it. it, Right. And then I thought to myself, I am never doing this again to my ex-husband calling for some BS that I need gas for my car. or You know, give me a break. At some point, you have to just say, I'm going to be a grown up here. I'm going to create boundaries. And this is a different relationship now.
2: And that's for men or, for women, not just for women. Yeah, 100%. And I, it's everybody's got to adjust. And it's so interesting to me, the more, you know, I've talked about this and the, like my friends and whatever, how, you know, some people are just, are really like good at it and some people really struggle with it. And then there's like, you know, and then there's like sad situations of, I have friends who are going through divorces that like their husbands are like just being terrible to them and they always, they were like the breadwinners and they're like cutting them off and all of that stuff. And it's, I do like, too. Oof it's rough i mean i'm I'm, inter- I'm extremely grateful for the relationship that cameron and i have and the maturity that we've both shown and 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 listen at the end of the day it's it what matters the most is the kids and if if there's that bullshit going on the, it's the kids that are going to really you know suffer more than anybody else that's just you know so it's like you have to put your own personal stuff aside and, and do what 's the greater good for the kids is is how I see it anyways. What
1: was the transition point for you because you said at first it was challenging. What happened, or was there one instance that occurred that you said okay we 've got to change how we 're doing this
2: I think it was more just time and space you know i think I think time to each heal separately and to you know f- you know just get comfortable and like you know just practice more being in this and I don't think there was, like, one thing in particular. I really think it was time that just, you know, healed us both. And, you know, we both, like, you know, really struggled in the beginning and in our own different ways. And we both needed, like, space from each other to do that. And, you know, so— People hate hearing that, and I feel I for know. them.
1: Because if I, anyone's I, just splitting up, I, my
2: heart's breaking for them hearing you say yeah. that. Because, of course, time heals everything, but it sucks having to wait. And listen, I mean, I one of the things that I, I ta- I've I talked about a lot, which a lot of people said to me, it was like, you know, the only way out is through. And I hated it so much. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't oh, like that either. I'm like, I don't want to go through. I want to go around, you know. And I, but, but, you know, I learned that you can't. And so that was, you know, what kind of sent me on this, like, like, you know, what became a bit of a spiritual journey for me of like, you know, I started doing transcendental meditation, which was like life changing for me. I I don't even know what that is. You know, meditation, of course. Well, transcendental meditation is like where you you kind of have to get trained on it. Um, There's a place here in L.A., the David Lynch Foundation. David Lynch is a big proponent of this. And um, it's, it's, you know, they say it's really great for like creative people who really need to like, you know pull it in and chill out. And, uh, you know, I think I had a couple of friends who had also gone through divorce that had told me about it and that it was like very, very impactful for them. So I looked into it. I went and saw the director at the place and it's like four consecutive nights and you have to do it. It's like a Monday through Thursday and you go every day from like 6 to 730 and they kind of teach you about it and how you do it and what it, what it means and how it works and all of that. And really... The, the short version of it is is that it it they say that it, it transcends you into like another you kind of like how do you explain it I mean you kind of like go to a different place it's a weird feeling because you don't um, which I'm sure a lot of people experience just through you know traditional meditation whereas you you really like the idea is like you know to think to stop like your thoughts which come anyways but like to, if you can and like to just like really like relax your brain and your mind from you know the the constant like treadmill that it's that we're all on sure. <laughs> Of course, but transcendental is like you get you get your own um your a mantra which you don't ever share with anybody it's personal to you and it's a little bit of like a um a, like like a little bit of a ceremony that you go through to get it where to wherever you learn it so you know i don't i don't know how other cities in the world do it i just know my experience in la and um, and it was explained to me – and I'm such a visual person that they showed me a picture of like what your brain looks like when you're in this fight-or-flight mode, which is like basically the frontal cortex of your brain, which is where you make all the decisions from. They call the CEO of your brain. When you're in fight-or-flight mode, I, like i.e. if a bear is chasing you, like you just are reacting because you don't want to die. you know. And there is a, there's a piece of that that happens when you're in this like – which was the state I was in for a while, which was like this – I'm just so – you know, there's so much anxiety and panic and all of these things that I can't balance that out. I didn't, I didn't know any of this until I sat down with, with the transcendental people, and, um, they, and they, so they show you a picture of the, your brain and where your blood flow should be, like you know, even around your your brain. When you're in that fight or flight mode, it's not going to the frontal cortex as much as it should be, so you're not able to make decisions physically from that part of That's your brain. Scary. So you're making decisions from the 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 bad parts of your brain and again I'm not a scientist anybody's listening to this if I don't have this 100% correct don't kill me I mean, just, this is just how I understood it and once you go into this transcendental you know piece, and you do this meditation it, it helps like you know basically like relax your brain your mind and the, and the blood flow starts to be more and they say more balanced and they say it's cumulative and the more you do it the more effect it has and it can really like it's almost like a, a detoxing of like your inner you know stress and drama. It's fascinating to me. And I i was like, I'm so in for this. I think this is the greatest thing ever. And I started doing it. And, and it was like, I remember the first time we did it, I was like, yeah, I feel a little better. And it was like, the more and more I did it, I was like, I, I felt better. And it just really started to have such a strong effect on me. I, I don't think it was that alone. I think it was the combination of that. I was seeing a therapist uh, like twice a week. I was um, doing, I was reading like every book under the sun. I mean, I was just, you know, I was like, okay. give me all the stuff because I've got to figure out, you know, why I feel, you know, it's just this like, I was just like a puddle on the floor. I was, you know, and I couldn't get myself out of it. And, and it has kind of awakened this thing in me of like, wow, you know, I know now because I talk to so many people about this, like how many people feel like this so much of their lives and I never did. You know, part of it I think was because I wasn't like allowing myself to feel as like deep as I do now, but I think, yeah, that I, you know, I, I think that's why I feel, I read a book called Light is the New Black and it's, you know, it's very much about what what lights you up? Like what makes you passionate and excited? And you know, I, and and I have my own podcast, Raising the Bar, with my brother, where we talk to business leaders and uh, you know, budding entrepreneurs, kind of all across the board. And I, I find myself being drawn to their more personal stories, the back end of, of, the, of the business part of it. And it's funny because my brother is always like, "Okay, let's get back to how you grew <laughs> and scaled your business." And I'm like, "But I want to hear about their the, the personal the side, journey, yeah. the journey." And and that's where I have found now that I'm more drawn to. Probably, because you know what I've gone through what my family has gone through in in the wake of of this divorce that just shook our lives up so much. and And so I'm, you know I kind of feel this like, you know this this need and desire to kind of share what I've gone through because you know i've it's just where I am right now. and and you know, we were talking earlier, I think that for me, my whole life, I've really been very true to what resonates with me personally, and I've tried to really follow. You know my passion and the things that I'm excited about, and right now this is just—it's weird. It just feels like kind of my calling, of like what I'm what I'm most interested and passionate about is like, I guess raising awareness on this, like. There's lots of things out there that people can do to make themselves feel better. And and I think that that's like, you know, I've said before, I think if everybody did like meditation and everyone worked on themselves, like what a better place the world would be. Because I noticed, I think from the transcendental and all the other stuff I did, like I go to a Reiki healer, I do, you know, I've gotten a little bit woo-woo that – I, I'm a better mom i'm I am far less impatient. I don't blow up at my kids mean I, I, occasionally, but i don't I rarely lose my temper anymore with them and so it's it's had such a great effect on me that i I often find myself thinking if if everybody did this and everybody had this like sense of calmness about them that they could channel. imagine like how much better the world would be. I know it's so lofty, but I mean, it's true though. So, what's
1: interesting to me is we're talking about divorce as the catalyst here in this instance. Mm-hmm. So, that's finite and clear and defined. What you brought up though is that you recognize people had the same exact feelings you had as a res- result of divorce just in life in general. Yeah. Overwhelmed, upset, yeah. anxious, lost, feeling like a puddle, depressed, whatever it is. So, it doesn't have to take Right. a catalyst, like a divorce, to bring you to this place to say, okay, I've got to do something to change this. No matter how long you've been feeling terrible, it's too long. So
2: today can be the day to say, I'm going to do something different today and change it. A hundred percent. I mean, and also on that, anybody who's listening and feels that way, you know, I also started, I also read a book called uh, Super Attractor by Gabby Bernstein. Whew, that's a great one too, you know, because it really talks about like trying to you know, it's a piece of it. Like talking, it talks so much about how you know you have to try to find the good, choose again, choose good, and just how like you know being grateful. And I I write in the journal every day. That's like the things that I'm grateful, or even if it's like the trees outside, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. My dogs, my house, my kids, my you know, if I'm having a good hair day, it doesn't matter how small it is. You know, it's just those things that you know there there are studies that you know you can actually change the you know the neuro pathways of your brain if you're if you have a grateful mind and heart and so it, it, you know and I know how some of this sounds that it does sound a little lofty and woo woo but I I and I wasn't that person so you know I think that I so wholeheartedly believe all this stuff and you know and 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 I guess I part of why I feel so strongly about it is cuz I just I want more people to experience like what I've experienced you know as as a way to feel better.
1: Well, that's what's so cool about you is that you were that super type A, overachiever, incredibly successful entrepreneur, American story, and now sharing how hard it's been personally, what that devastating time looked like, and how you're rebooting and rebuilding and stepping into a greater power than it sounds like you ever even had before.
2: 100%. Yeah, it's a trip. I mean, it's like, I would, you know, it's it's funny, I get asked all the time in interviews, like, you know, where do you see yourself in 10 years and five years? And people always ask me that. I always said, you know, I really don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, I'm going to continue to build dry bar. We're going to, you know, and now we're building squeeze and doing, and I'm, you know, doing that stuff. But, you know, I just, it really surprised me too, which is, it's like the beauty of life, right? It's like to be able to, like, I feel incredibly lucky that I'm able to, you know, that anybody even wants to hear what I have to say. It always kind of trips me up that people are like, you know, when I get asked to go speak at big conferences or, you know, speak to like colleges, that's also a really interesting one for me because I didn't go to college and I'm like, (laughs) are you sure you want me? Um, But, you know, you know, I feel really lucky and grateful to be able to do that. And I think that like, you know, when you do have a bit of a platform to be able to share stuff like this is is important and i've been really also incredibly you know lucky to be friends with people like Gabby Bernstein and Brené Brown and people who've you know helped me so much on my journey that i just feel you know, so compelled to share it. I have to
1: tell you, I was a guest professor at Harvard this year. Oh no way! And I would have never been able to get into Harvard ever. And so I had that same kind of moment that you're explaining. It's you know, like imposter that, syndrome, a little that fraud mindset. Like, yeah. are they? They is this a joke? Am I being yeah. punked? Like, I, I really was f- tripping out. And it's so nice to hear that someone who's had this kind of success that you've had with Drybar and your companies that you felt that same way. That 100%. you know, that, yeah. I'm,
2: I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, we are I'm, not a No. And, you know, I'm sure if like you were to ask anybody, you know, super successful or not, you know, it's like when you get when people ask you to do things that just seem like a dream, you're like, you know, I think we all feel that. I mean, I don't know. I think imposter syndrome is like a real thing. I, I was I was recently like featured on a list and it was all like a bunch of very famous women. And I was like, what the hell am I doing on this list? You know, I mean, it was my first thought. And then I was like, well, this is really amazing. And, you know, I was on the cover of Ink Magazine a couple months ago and I was like, man, what a, what, what? That's so massive. You know, it's just so crazy. It's all so crazy. And and, and it is not lost on me for a second, you know, how, you know, how lucky I am and, and all. I mean, I, and I, obviously I've you worked, worked so really hard, hard right? you know, but, um, and there's, you know, there's the fruits of my labor. Our labor has been pretty
1: phenomenal. It's amazing. All right, so there still are hard times, I would imagine. What is it like entering
2: dating now <sighs> after being married for? <sighs> you were married for a
1: really long time. Yeah.
2: Oh, it, I mean, you probably know it's rougher than rough. I mean, yeah. Which you know, I was kind of excited to start dating again, and and I was, it was, I mean the amount of times i feel like i've been punched in the face figuratively this year i mean holy shit and dating was a huge one you know it's like dating and you know i'm a i'm like a handful i'm a i'm a lot you know i have i've have, have a lot going on in my life i've you know i have a very like i'm a little bit high maintenance like, you know and so and i realized that and i think that you know dating was much more challenging than i thought and um you know it's funny i've just kind of started talking about this because I was you know, using all the apps and doing all of that and that wasn't proving to be super great Uh, and on my podcast, Raising the Bar uh, I had just kind of ended it with this guy I was dating and uh, the founder of a company called The Three Day Rule her name is Talia, she was on my show the very next day and she came in and she was talking to us about her company and what she does and it's a matchmaking service and I was like, huh this is interesting. I'm like, you know, she basically was like, listen, like the reason we started this company is because there's so, you know, you know, dating apps are what are, how people are meeting these days. You know, it's like, you're just not meeting people like in bars, at least, I don't know. Maybe some people are, but I, I, I don't go hang out at bars and most of the events I go to are all chicks, you know? So I'm like, I, I don't- Or married couples. Or married, <laughs> right? So Or my friends are, you know? So it's like, where, where in the world do you meet people, especially in LA? So she's talking about this as like how hard it is for people to meet people- and the kind of people they want to meet, and their job and what they do as a company and and her personally was just like always really great at setting people up, and people always kind of you know, she kind of the company she was working at e and everybody used to line up at her cubicle because she would like connect people that nobody would have ever thought would connect. and then they would get get together and married. and like she had like incredible success rate at setting people up. So she decided to start this company. and you know, basically what they do is they go out and they find people you know that and they kind of like, vet guys and like if they want a relationship where they are in their life all these things that you would want to ask a guy on a first date like do you want a relationship like what are your th- thoughts on this like all really the- direct really direct but like we're not going to ask that on a first date because you kind of could seem crazy. But well, that, I, I may, and I don't care about But that. you okay. should, actually. I mean, I, I was just listening to a, pod, a podcast, and this one was talking about sorting. And you should. You should know from the get go before even you go on a first date. Like, are you interested in a relationship? Your time. Yeah. Because if you're not, like, we shouldn't even bother. Do you like kids? I mean, yeah, there like, are certain like, things. Like, is you it need a problem? Like, do right. you want another child? Like, right. I dated a couple guys who were like, yeah, I want kids. And I was like, oh, the kitchen is closed, my friend. <laughs> There's no more kids. That's it, you know? So that's not going to work. But you know, but at that point you've gone on a couple of dates. You kind of like this guy, and you're like, "Well, shit, what do I do now?" You know. So they vet all of that for you, and so you don't even wow. meet a guy until it's like you know potentially the right guy. Um, and I did meet somebody, and I've been in a relationship with somebody I met through them. That's yeah. so exciting! I'm so excited for you. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's crazy. So I'm now I'm like screaming from the rooftops, like everybody should use this because.
1: Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. That is so wild! But you took a
2: chance to do something different, and a lot of well, people don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, and and listen, I I felt like it was like, is this desperate? Is this weird? You know, I think there was like there's like a stigma around the the whole thing. But then it was like, no, this is so incredibly inf- efficient. You know that this. They are doing, you know, it's, it's just like a, it's something that they're doing that is making it much, much easier to meet people. And that's, you know, we live in, a, we, it's, it's crazy that we live in this world where we're so incredibly connected and yet we're so incredibly disconnected. Right? It's like, you know, no one, everyone always has their heads in their phone. You know, it's like, you know, sitting at a coffee shop where, yeah, you could potentially meet somebody, but there's no inclination to talk to another person because they're buried in their phone. So even if there was a chance of like meeting somebody in like an, a, a coffee shop, which is an innocent like good way to meet somebody or like at the Apple store or I don't know wherever no one's ever going to do that because everyone's like in in their phones you know which sucks but so these guys I think are making it just easier to meet people and so so you brought
1: up something funny that I think about a lot you know when you're a female but it could be on for the males as well with a big personality a lot going on mm. however you want to if you want to call it high maintenance if you want to call it type a whatever it is yeah. it, it it typically in my opinion my experience and with people i know in similar situations it's hard to find a match for those people because the other person even if you end up with that person in a long-term relationship they can be resentful or feeling less than and you you know slowly see that happen yeah. in relationships and it's so awful and recently i had the opportunity to work with Sarah Blakely and Jesse Itzler on an event and i got to see their relationship and i used them as an example because Sarah's so large personality so strong you know really vibrant type a and to watch how and Jesse's equally as big, equally as strong and confident, and to see them together, it was like two equals. Yeah. Not where and sometimes you see that disconnect where one personality is so much
2: bigger than the other. It just it's inevitably it doesn't, doesn't work. work out. Yeah. No, and that's kind of what I was finding. You know, is and and it's hard to find the words to explain that because that is what I was finding. Is like I'm, you know, I do need somebody who's very strong and has can like you know, be really where I'm at in life, you know, and that is a hard thing to find, you know, and really, I guess any, it's all hard for everybody because you need somebody who matches you one way or the other, exactly. you know, and if, and when you sit down and you talk to the, you know, the matchmaker people, you kind of tell them what you're looking for, what, 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 like your non-starters are. And, you know, it's just, it's like the, it's like the new dating app, you know, it's, it's I think it's a great way to go that is so wild i'm so excited for you (laughs) so no one ever gets off the show
1: Allie, without sharing their whatever time in your life you struggled the most with your confidence
2: i would say probably i mean the most was probably when i was like in my 20s you know when i was really trying to figure out my life and what i wanted to do and i think uh you know, I don't think I. I think I was just like lost and flailing and trying to figure it out. And I think that I was, you know, that was probably the most difficult time in terms of confidence. You know, and then once I started to get on the right path and figure out what I wanted to do with my life, things got a little easier. and And I remember there being like this kind of lack of confidence, like right around starting dry bar, because uh, I was like. I thought this was a great idea and then and then once we started bringing in like our private equity and we formed a board it was like these guys were all like Harvard you know graduates and they were so super smart and I was like uh-oh you know like I don't know if I can hang in this in this environment and so I would, I remember like I would text my in board meetings I'd text my brother a question because I was afraid to ask it out loud and he would always say no that's a good question you should ask that and so I was like oh I am actually really smart and it but it took me a minute to get comfortable in like, I had had this idea. It's a great idea. You know, I just, I'm not traditionally smart. Like I don't read spreadsheets and I don't have that, you know, I, yeah, numbers like are in and out of my head. Like that just doesn't stick. I'm not that interested in it. So that, that was what I kind of equated smart as is like, if I'm a numbers person and I'm book smart, which I was not. So I didn't think I was smart. And, and then when I, you know, it hit me like, you know, I know how to run a business. I know how to get the best out of people. I know how to, you know, do a lot of things really well. And so that and I, and I those that time and and my brother's like my very best friend and he he's, he's like my biggest fan. And and, you know, when he was he really gave me that confidence to kind of be like, no, no, you got this. You know what you're talking about? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I do. He's such you know, a good wingman. Yeah, amazing. And so that, that I think that's when my confidence really like came into bloom was was during that time in those early days and when I started to kind of own it. And I think that's what confidence is. You know, it's like you have to you have to just own it and be who you are. And and that may you may I, I don't usually I'm not usually the smartest person in the room. I might be the most hardworking and ambitious, but. Not usually the most you know I, I I'm scrappy and I figure things out as i go and and that's just me, and that's that's what's made me me, and I think the more that people accept. Whatever their strengths are, and play to those versus trying to be something you're not, is is really when you shine. Oh, that's so true and so good. Step into who you really are yeah. and stop trying to be who everybody else is, and that's when you're going to take off. Yeah, and it's and it, there's an authenticity authenticity to that that people are drawn to, and I've learned that and I've seen that. You know, the the truer I am about who I am and what I've done and what's worked and what hasn't, that is when I think people are the most drawn in is when they, you're like, you're no bullshit and it's, it's real. So people want, I mean, and that's like what we need so badly, I believe, you know, and I think that's where things like, you know, the, the filtered life that we live in this Instagram, you know, which is why I try, listen, I'm guilty of it too. Like I filter pictures, like I put up, you know, good pictures, but I will also sprinkle in like you know, s- some truth in there of like what, not, I mean, it's all true to an extent, but like some of the harder stuff, you know, without it becoming too sappy, you know, it's this kind of balance, but we're all living in this life that's like, our, you know, our whole lives are on display where we're, it's all a highlight reel. And it's like figuring all that out is really hard. And it's bizarre. It is bizarre, which is why I love doing things like this and, and taught and having these conversations where I can say what I really think and what I re- how I really feel and You know, and I think every, you know, I've also recently said that, like, I just, I, I hate small talk more than anything. You know, I just want to talk about the real shit. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be super heavy, but, like, let's have, like, a real conversation about real life and what's going on. And the more I've talked about... The struggles I'm having, the struggles I'm having with my kids, whatever it is, either usually someone else like is like, oh, you know what? I went through that too. And then there's like this like camaraderie and this you know common ground. And it's like if everybody could just speak their truth a little bit more, you know, it's like. Just the world would be a better place, <laughs> and it's nice to know that you're not alone because you yes. feel that you're, you know, supported and in good company, yeah. and, and that's so important. And Everyone's going through something. I've always felt like that. I feel like my so true. my mom taught me that as a kid. You know, when when someone's not nice to you or someone's whatever, it's like they're probably going through something, and it's like. Can you think of any person in your life who's not going through something whether it's you know it's a divorce or losing a job or a death you know a death like uh, someone's sick like uh, we're all going through something you know and i think that the more compassion and empathy we all have to talk about those things and to really be there for each other is important Thank you so much for being so real.
1: It's so refreshing, and I've told you, it's I've never had someone that is so willing to talk about
2: anything, yeah. and that is so. I applaud you so much. I love it. Thank so you. thank you so much yeah, for being no, here. How, how can everyone find you? So I'm Allie Webb on Instagram, A L L I W E B B. Um, our uh, dry bar is is the drybar.com, or our our Instagram Instagram is just drybar. Squeeze, I believe our website is squeeze me. com, I should know that, Um, or you can go to our Instagram page, which is just squeeze, and uh, yeah, we're and your podcast, and our podcast is raising the bar. So wherever you get podcasts, you can find raising the bar with me and Michael. So definitely check it out if you're looking for entrepreneurial advice as well as some info
1: on the journey. Yes. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, hang tight. We'll be right back. I hope you enjoyed meeting Allie as much as I did. I have to tell you, she is so a woman that supports other women. There are a lot of women out there that are not. They're backstabbing and not the kind of women you want to roll with. Allie, not only is she great, you know, working with men, but women, she's just all around positive energy, positive person. So cool. I really, really loved her and so grateful that she made time to come on the show and share with everyone and open up to the level that she did. It's really so impressive. I'm I'm so blown away by her. It's just really exciting. So before I get into my final round here, I've got to remind you, Pluto TV, it's the leading free streaming television service. You get to watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand completely for free. Pluto TV never even asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch. Pluto TV is easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone. Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TV, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. So I wanted to share, um, this isn't necessarily a question, but it was a a difficult situation I had to deal with this week. I had a speaking engagement a couple of hours north from where I live, and I was heading out to the venue, and I knew it was an entrepreneurial conference, and there was going to be a mixed crowd there. I really didn't know. Exactly. I didn't have a lot of information on, you know, how the age of the audience, what the expectations were, other than, Heather, we want you to speak around entrepreneurial business and confidence in the workplace. And, you know, so just a a general topic, which I could definitely address. I have a lot of knowledge on. However, when I'm going into a situation and I don't know... More specifics. I'd never been to the venue. You know, sometimes I get a little curious as to how it'll play out. However, one thing I've learned and I want to share with you right now is that a lot of people do canned speeches. I don't believe in those. And the reason why is. When you get into a room and you see the people, you can get a sense of, oh okay, I see where this is. I see you know the kind of audience I'm dealing with. I'm, I can tailor my talk one way or another to be to add more value, to relate better, to be more meaningful. And I really like to do that and I find I get a really good response. When I do that, and that can be if you're speaking at, you know, an office meeting or sometimes people are going to be all fired up and it makes sense for you to take your energy up and be more interactive. Or sometimes people are really serious and analytical and maybe in that environment, it might make sense to take a little bit more of a systematic approach, you know. And I'm not saying you have to always mirror your audience exactly, but I do believe there's a benefit to tailoring talks and tailoring presentations to the audience in that moment if you know your material well enough. I don't suggest doing that if you're doing new material. <laughs> Heck no, because that's just going to add a whole nother level of complexity. But being aware of your surroundings, being aware of the energy in the room, being aware of the actual audience and what's going to connect with them is key in keeping their attention and, you know, delivering a great talk wherever you might be. So I arrive at the venue about a half an hour before I'm going to speak, and the place was on fire. I mean, it was really, really loud, and people were extremely high energy, like off the charts high energy, so fired up. And it was mostly a younger crowd. I would say definitely more 20s, 30s. So I start, you know, kind of scanning the room to see what are people up to. And people are high fiving, running around. The bar was packed. You know, it was during a break window when I arrived and I just saw that. This audience was different than most of the typical audiences. I, I typically speak into, in front of more business um, settings, not so much. This was almost more of an, a networking setting where people were really connecting, really, you know, they had during the breaks music was playing. It was a little bit different, so much more lively. And so I was noticing that and thinking to myself, how can I add value in a different and unique way to this audience? And as I did that, as I was thinking that, of course, I'm walking around speaking to people saying hello. And again, I want to highlight, I know my material and content really well. So for me to speak about sales, leadership, business, becoming an entrepreneur, being a writer, launching a podcast, creating confidence, all that stuff is very easy for me. I've done it so many times. I have so much practice. So now my focus is in order to get better, how can I relate better to the audience and and Tailor my talk to be more meaningful and direct to connect to them. Well, a speaker before me uh, took the stage, and this person is incredibly successful, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, so much more successful in business than I am. And, you know, this person is a very good speaker and very poised. However, for whatever reason, he wasn't having the same thought process that I was having, which is fine. Everyone takes a different approach. And he took the stage as if he was giving a regular talk in a regular venue, which this was not. It was very different. And I'm sure it was different for him, too. So as he was speaking, the crowd was still incredibly lively and loud. And you could see very visibly he was becoming frustrated. And as you could watch and see his frustration level... I was noticing the crowd was responding very negatively. And I thought this was interesting. I had never seen a situation like this before. So I actually felt really excited because I was immersed in a completely new experience and I didn't know how I was going to handle it, which I think that sounds pretty exciting, right? It's an opportunity. So I'm watching and I'm having this great experience where I'm getting to see someone else ahead of me, right? I wasn't the first one speaking, which there's an advantage. I believe in that as well. And so... I'm watching, and the more frustrated and off his game he became, became the more the crowd erupted, became louder, and I could sense more negative, almost intentionally trying to get louder to speak over him. At one point, he was so frustrated that he started um, somewhat lecturing the audience that you know this wasn't helpful and. And that's really where he completely lost the audience. So my takeaways from that were, and again, I've never been in a situation like this before, so I have a lot of empathy for him. I'm sure he hadn't been either. You know, this is someone who's being paid to come and speak at massive events. He's incredibly successful. People would love the opportunity to hear from him. And I'm sure on some level, he just felt that this, you know, something was so wrong here. And it caught him off guard, I'm sure. So... Anyhow, finally, at some point, he said, you know what? Enough's enough. That's it. And he drops the mic and walks off. And wow, I'm speaking after him, right? So someone who I was friendly with said, oh, my gosh, Heather, what are you going to do now? And I started laughing. And I said, you know, I'm not worried, although I don't know exactly what I'm going to do yet. But I really feel I trust myself. And I feel really confident in my material, my topic that I'm speaking about. Give me a minute though. Just let me have a minute alone. I wanna think. I didn't wanna to speak to anyone for a minute. I just wanted to look around the room and see what people were doing to try to put my plan together. But I really do feel I trust myself and I know that whatever it's gonna be, it's gonna it's gonna work out okay. And so that's when they called me up to this stage and by then I had thought to myself, Okay, this other speaker had led with frustration and, you know, almost a disappointment for the audience. And I thought that really comes across as negativity. So I'm not going to take a negative approach, no chance. Instead, why don't I take a really positive approach and be funny and try to connect with the audience around humor and around being really positive. And I also knew one other thing. If people are being loud One thing I'm really good at is being louder. I'm actually, I get a hard time about it that I'm so loud all the time. So I thought, you know, this could be a superpower for me in this instance. If you can command attention quickly when you take a stage, you can kind of snap people out of their environment. And I was hoping maybe if I can be funny, I'll grab them in and they'll be excited because it was going to be really different from the person speaking before me. Very different approach. So, and again, I'm nowhere near as successful as the person before me. I'm sure the person before me has taken bigger stages. Again, just I think it was a little surprising and, and just a very different approach that he took. So I took the stage and the first thing I did was I grabbed that mic and I was loud, really loud because I wanted to grab everyone's attention and it worked. And I told a joke. The person that had introduced me said something about how I had been on a panel at Harvard, which was not true. I was actually um, a teacher at Harvard. Hello. Get it right, people. Elle Woods in the house. So I made some Elle Woods joke and then wouldn't you know someone in the audience screamed out something so funny. She said, oh, like it's hard because that was one of the lines from Reese Witherspoon and and whatever pink movie about um, going to Harvard so here's the thing I made a joke someone in the audience chimed in and made the joke funnier everyone was laughing I was being really loud on the mic so everyone had stopped speaking okay so that was the first step all right starting to get us you know on a path towards victory. And then when I felt I had everyone's attention, everyone was laughing, and people were paying attention, and it was just really – it was my moment, I asked for a favor. I said, guys, listen, I have a favor to ask of you, and I elicited I help from the audience, which is a great tactic, I think, to use. And I just said, here's the thing. I drove a couple of hours to be here with you tonight. I would like it if it's at all possible, if I could have your attention while I'm up here to share a couple of ideas and strategies with you that I think will really bring you some major value. They brought me major value. However, I understand if you really don't want to be quiet, I get it. <clears throat> That's fine. But I'd like to ask you if you could go out to the bar in the other room and I'll join you out there as soon as I'm done with my talk and we can toast a drink and, you know, we can kick it out there. But if you're not really interested in hearing a talk and if it's going to be tough for you to pay attention, I would simply ask if you wouldn't mind just for while I'm speaking to go out to the bar. And some people left. So that was kind of funny. And I said, "Okay, cheers. You know, have a great time. We'll see you out there after. So some people left, but the people that stayed were silent and there was no more speaking. And it was so cool. And so I thanked everyone. I told them I was so grateful for that because I really had something so important to tell them and I was so excited. And it it worked out really, really well. I'll tell you, it was a different talk than I've ever given. Cause the audience was so incredibly different than than any audience I'd ever spoken for. And I really just I winged it. And then halfway through my speech, I saw the head of my TEDx talk, well, one of the heads of the TEDx talk was there, the gentleman who was in charge of speakers back in October when I gave my talk, and I gave him a shout out from the stage, and I decided to pivot and tell the story about the TEDx talk since he was there. And I got into how stressful it was and what was really going on backstage and how it really works, and it definitely elicited a positive response from the audience. It was definitely on the fly, not what I had planned to speak about, but It worked out really, really well. The response was overwhelmingly positive, and it just ended up being this great night. So, here's the thing one, when we're gonna walk into places, I've gone into thousands of places to speak before, and I've never walked into an opportunity or an event like that, right? So, things are gonna be different based upon where you are, when it's happening, the audience. There are so many reasons and ways anything could be different. Let's see it as an opportunity on how we can get better and definitely do a self assessment you know how well do i know my material what do i feel like would work here but give yourself that moment to check in with yourself and notice what's happening in the room paying attention to people and try to get an idea of what can connect what might not connect and again i i was a sales leader for 20 years i had given a lot of sales meetings some of which were very serious and some where the teams were so rowdy and screaming so This wasn't that completely different for me. I just kind of had to pull on some of those memories of how I used to gather those teams up and get them to at least pay attention for a window of time. So again, notice, you know, pull on past experiences and trust your gut and just go for it. Show up and be you, but be positive. And if you can be funny, try it because it definitely connects with people and it definitely worked for me. So I hope that helps you with any of your presentations or meetings that you might have coming up or speeches. And if you haven't checked out my episode with Kendra Hall, I do an entire episode about how to become a speaker. I get a lot of questions about that. So definitely check that out and I'll tell you, if you are having a tough time with the holidays, if you are stressing out, know that you are not alone. And in my book, Confidence Creator, I write a number of different chapters about being alone, about struggling with boundaries, struggling with family, you know, different challenges, relationships. So please check out Confidence Creator. Even if you've already read it, it might be a good time to read it again. I think I will be reading it on the plane On Wednesday. So I hope you love this episode. I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving and focus on all the things that you are grateful for so that you get more of it in your life. Thanks for being here again. I can't wait to talk to you next week.
0: This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs.
1: Welcome to Firehouse.
0: Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver deliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a 4 dollars choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax, limited time offer, prices may vary for delivery.